Welcome to Waxing the Porpoise, the podcast that dives deep into the unexplored depths of cinema and occasionally the unexplained. This week, G-Baby and the usual suspect Steve raise the flag and welcome back esteemed guest of honor, Ruth's Chris, from the Mount Molehill podcast to rap about a flick he recommended, Bad Influence from 1990, starring James Spader and Rob Lowe, a film that Chris has categorized under the sub-sub-genre he coined himself, Disruptive Stranger, which perfectly encapsulates the essence of the film, and I'm stealing the phrase effective immediately. The painting was a gift, Todd. Join us as we dive in, fin first, to discuss one of the most baddest-ass colloquialisms of all time. In this case, for the harmonica, a.k.a. the mouth harp. Where I come from, you don't blow no harp. You don't get no pussy. And almost get sidetracked with future plans to cover Crossroads, starring Jamie Gertz and Ralph Macchio. We'll also discuss the film's odd similarities to I Love You Man, and touch on G-Baby's new obnoxious tank girl Aquabat Simon Birch glasses. The porpoises, midnight companions and keen observers, ride the waves of intrigue in this tantalizing punch bowl of suspense, psychological manipulation, and moral ambiguity. Just the kind of cocktail we've come to expect here at WTP. Special note, we recorded this episode the day before the terrible news of Carl Weathers passing and we happened to mention him at the top of the episode by pure happenstance. Besides being just a badass motherfucker in films we've all seen a hundred times, from Apollo Creed to Action Jackson to Predator to Chubbs, by all accounts, he was one of the great humans in the world. Thus, from this point forth, he should be posthumously recognized as one of our patron saints. So pour one out. Rest in peace, Chubbs. Good night, sweet prince. We've only just begun to Let's wax this disruptive porpoise. Chase, don't do that. See, we, we're working on his brow chakra. We're just in back of the crown chakra. Yeah, I was singing it after it happened, but as we're talking now, I can't remember it at all. Yeah, I can't remember how it goes. Yeah, I I can't either. I had it queued up here. It was really repetitive, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember not liking it. (laughs) That's right. I want to take you down. Still not ringing any bells. (laughs) He says, I want to take you down in the chorus like 55 times. Each oh, chorus. There it is. Yeah. No, that doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to Waxing the Porpoise, a podcast where we dive deep into the dark and uncharted waters of film, high strangeness, and everything in between. This evening marks episode 87, where we'll be discussing a film recommended by our special guest joining us tonight, one that neither Steve nor myself has seen before. It is 1990s Bad Influence, starring James Spader and Rob Lowe. Uh, Before we raise the flag, you are welcomed by myself, Jim G. Baby. Barbecue, huh? How do you like your ribs? And of course, joining me on this cinematic odyssey is our co-host, the usual suspect, Steve. You learned martial arts! How's it going, man? Doing great. (laughs) I couldn't hear what yours was at all. 
Mine, yeah, it, the the audio was a little funky. I was, I'm, I'm not good enough to like accent like spoken words, so it kind of got drowned out. So, oh well. Um, and as I alluded to uh, earlier, please welcome back our special guest, returning champion Chris of the Mount Molehill Podcast. You don't know how magnificent U.S. prime beef can be till you've been to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. <laughs> How's it going, man? Good. Um, I couldn't really hear the one with that you said for yours, but it kind of sounded like James Coburn, so I'm going to go with Hard Times. No, it was Carl Weathers in uh, Action Death. Jackson. Is Charles Bronson in that? Oh, excuse me, Carl Weathers. Oh yeah, you, you did, did say, I say Charles, Charles Bronson. Bronson? Yeah, you said, you I said Carl. I have Weathers. him on the brain. He said Carl Weathers. I'm sure. Oh, I did. I, oh, so. I guess I just hear Charles Bronson. <laughs> <laughs> just always thinking about him. But uh, yeah, they were in uh, Death Hunt together. I I actually came across. Uh, I don't know how. I think it was. Re- uh, looking up some background inf- uh, stuff on bad influence. I found, I stumbled across a, a cute uh, Charles Bronson story uh, about how he was gifted something on a movie set. And oh my God. Someone posted that in a discord today. Really? <laughs> about how Kurt Russell gave yes. Charles Bronson a present and he just walked away because he had never been given a present before. Yeah. He did like, didn't know how to process it. Yeah, I, was, I think I kind of call bullshit on that. What was the present? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, wow. Kurt Russell is like 12, so it was probably something stupid. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, that clip was, it's at the end when uh, Carl Weathers blows this dude away with like a, one of those little uh, grenade launcher uh, things like the, the that break down, you know, and you put like one slug in it. He's like, barbecue. How do you like your ribs? Just fucking nukes this dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any hoodles? Yeah. Um, we're glad to have Chris back. Uh, thanks for joining us. And I'm excited to talk about this one because I was I was actually pleasantly surprised. I went into it a little uh, dubious, but uh, I think it should make it should make for good pod. Oh shit! I did have oh fuck it. We'll save it for the end. We we had a comment on one of our YouTube videos that I. I thought was interesting. So we can, I'm a 70 year old woman with small hands. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. That was a fun one. I, I need to turn that into like a a soundbite and post it. Cause that one was good. Um, no, it's somebody, I don't, I think it's, uh, someone in Indonesia left a comment that I translated. So there's always the possibility of something being lost in translation, but what, what episode was it left on? Basic instinct of all films. So we'll, we'll crack that nut towards the end, but interesting. uh, So uh, bad influence from 1990. I had never heard of this, never seen anything about it before. Steve, I'm going to just take it for granted. No. No. Okay. And then Chris, what's your relationship? Is this something you caught on to later in life or did you grow up with it? I first saw this 10 months ago. Okay, And I know that because when I went to go watch it last night, the lady was like, we just watched that. And the most beautiful thing about Letterboxd is how often I can prove her wrong when she yes. says that. That's uh, awesome. Um, no, actually, we watched it in March of 2023. Thank you. 
Don't lie to me. Awesome. Yeah, I'm very bad about my letterboxing. I, I need to keep up with it. I, I just don't even know what that is. Just... It's just a website where you log and review movies that you've watched. Ah, okay. It's they advertise it as like social media, but there's really basically no social aspect to it almost yeah. at all. They'd probably send me an email like, are you sure you watched Twister again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Here, I get one, one fun piece before we get into the, uh, the movie. And obviously, listeners won't be able to see this, but uh, Steve, you probably notice I, I got some new glasses. These aren't the same ones. Oh, yeah. My shame. Uh, so, Chris, check this out. I bought these online on a whim, these fucking joints, and my wife just immediately started roasting me. She was like, she, I think first thing she said was Weezer bitch. And then, <laughs> and then she sent me, she took a picture of me and did a photo collage with the fucking Aquabats. <laughs> when they, they have those like big fucking goggle things and then she's like no you're fucking tank girl and then at sure show the cover it tank girl she's like it's the fucking bridge man they look like yeah that goggles. eighth of an inch really makes a difference i mean style wise they're the same they're just slightly thicker the thickness up here they're also clear on the sides they're very See, the, the clear it, on the sides that's why i thought they were the simon birch special <laughs> yeah steve hit me with simon birch <laughs> man next then, time i'm on here i'll have to wear my glasses well and they what also can... look like the least conspicuous spy glasses with a camera right in the yeah. bridge of the nose <laughs> yeah you just need so, a wire running down the side <laughs> into your front pocket so uh of ghoulish uni fame uh nate part two the nate Nane, um got me a couple good ones too he's like i'm there's no way there's not a hidden camera in the bridge of your glasses and then he sent me the shot of emilio estevez in mission impossible one oh yeah big old (laughs) fucking (laughs) i was like god damn it so you need to just be like fuck you i'm i'm wild thing these are my wild thing glasses oh yeah that's a good one too i was thinking more jeffrey donovan and sicario but I don't know if I can pull that off. So it, at any rate, yeah, I was like, fuck these. I need to return them. So that was just a bit of fun in my life. Well, it looks like you the kept them. The past couple so. weeks. What's that? It looks like you kept them. So he's got to have something to wear during pictures that he doesn't want to take. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I should just keep them for when I want to spite my wife. <laughs> but Okay idiotic tangent aside uh yeah bad influence so i asked chris if he wanted to come on again and he recommended this so i just caught this today uh basically i guess if anyone's familiar with single white female or i prefer pacific heights with uh matthew modine and michael keaton it's basically like you know kind of squirrely person gets linked up with with someone who obsesses over them and or wants to like help them out uh obviously in this one it's it's he's got designs on on james spader who is i guess the the resident nerd in this film he doesn't stand up for himself and so he kind of gets drawn into this web and slowly and slowly becomes more out of control and realizes that 
he's dealing with a psychopath and kind of comes to a head at the end. Hijinks ensue throughout. So that that's kind of what we we have in this film. So if you're fans of that kind of stuff, I guess, I'm probably not describing it the best way. Yeah, I mean, this is like one of my favorite sub-sub-genres of movies that I like to call Disruptive Stranger. <laughs> so I'm big That's into so much them. more eloquent. <laughs> well, because it is really like a whole like micro genre of movies like this and uh like fucking mind games with Maxwell Caulfield and talented Mr. Ripley mm-hmm. consenting adults with Kevin Spacey, which in retrospect is an unfortunate <laughs> name for a movie. He's been found not guilty every time. Um so you just you guys just listed like half a dozen movies I've seen none of. This one reminded me of a mix of The Spanish Prisoner, which we just watched not too long ago, and I Love You Man. Just like a fun half <laughs> like half bromance, yeah. half obvious con that you're just waiting for it to happen. Yeah, I did I wouldn't have thought about that, but I Love You Man is kind of like the happy version of these sorts of movies. Yeah, and this is the uh, descent into psychopathy. Yeah, because well, I I knew nothing about this going into it, so it it has a sort of theme very early on, like oh, this guy is a mark, this guy's going to take advantage of him, but then he starts doing like nice shit for him. I was like, he's either once again he's either pulling the dentist system on him, or he <laughs> actually just wants to help. So I didn't know, I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting seeing Rob Lowe in this kind of role. I mean, granted, I haven't seen him in a lot of things outside of like television. Um, and I know he kind of, he had a spot, he had some trouble with... Uh, Plowing underage women. Yeah. I don't know where you guys stand on that. I heard later on that uh, like, I'm against it. That's where I stand <laughs> on it. I, right. But... I I've come to find out later. I've heard later in life that he was actually like put up to it, or the mom of the daughter kind of like pushed him into it and lied about her age. So I don't know. I don't know really where I stand with Rob Lowe as a person. But um, the only other thing I really remember him from is fucking Wayne's World, and Tommy he played Boy. a really yeah Tommy Boy too. He plays just like a shit bag like really well. I feel like. So, wasn't yeah, a drastic uh, departure Parks and, in this. Parks and Rec, he's super annoying. Oh, he's my fucking favorite character oh, on that man. show. God, I hate him. I, <laughs> or, I was expecting to hate him uh, in this one, but I, I didn't. So that was pleasant. Yeah, we got Rob Lowe as playing the, the psycho. The beginning of it, I was like, what? Where is this going? I, I guess James Spader is some kind of like financial trader or analyst or something buy sell i don't know but he's he's we he's basically chandler yeah from friends like non-specific a, a transponster yeah i love that one where i think it's i can't remember who says it but they're like and you call yourself an accountant it's like no <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh yeah what do you do yeah that's what <laughs> when i was watching it this time i was like oh he's an accountant and then yeah 45 minutes into the movie, they're talking about trades. And I was like, oh, he's not an accountant, I guess. Yeah, and he, he mentions a couple of times uh, he's going up against uh, Patterson. Fuck Patterson. For the senior analyst job. 
Yeah, Patterson sucks. This character fucking immediately like asshole. So we we meet James Spader. He's kind of he's in the bathroom. He's having a crisis of confidence at work. He's being seems like he's being sabotaged by this Patterson guy. And then he's also about to get married uh, to Marsha Cross, who a lot of people remember from Desperate Housewives. Uh, she's been in a bunch of stuff, a lot of TV. Uh, she's got a very familiar kind of face. I think she's on Melrose Place for like fucking nine years or something too. Um, but yeah, she, this is it looks like an earlier role for her. Um, and Spader's like he's got pains. He's like thirty, and he's got like ulcers from stress at work and stuff. And I want to back up to the very first scene just to ask you guys a question. Yeah. So in the very first scene, it opens up with like Rob Lowe waking up next to some woman. And then going through her apartment and basically gathering all evidence that he was there and destroying it. Right. Do you guys yeah, think he's like that sifting through the pictures and he's taking ones out of yeah. him and her like playing tennis or wherever they were on the beach and shit? Yeah. He's definitely th- covering his tracks. Do you think that people around our age grew up in the absolute worst time to have any sort of anonymity? Because this is 30 years ago and like kind of a whole part of the movie is that you can just like go to the next neighborhood over and no one will know anything you did. Mm -hmm. And then people that are younger than us kind of grew up on social media. So I feel like it it like cancels itself out since everyone's on it and everyone's personal life from the time they're born is going to be online. But we yeah, get, and there's and there's ring cameras everywhere. Like when they're moving a body later on, I was like, this would never. Yeah, there's so ever much shit that you plausi- yeah. plausibly happen now. Yeah, we just get the short end of the stick. I feel like because we didn't get to do that. Like, oh yeah, you know, I'll just go have a family in another state. <laughs> yeah. No one will ever know where I was. God and then we it. also can't just like. I was really looking forward to abandoning you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because back in the day, if you wanted to get away with anything, all you had to do was just not be seen doing it at the time and keep your mouth shut and you're golden forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of weird. People from like, what, 30 to 45 are kind of like this weird half in, half out, one foot firmly in in like the, uh, the analog and one in the digital realm. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have experienced this in your own family, but the uh the occasional new like half cousin or aunt or uncle that gets disclosed in their forties uh probably is gonna be a, a thing of the past with all the genealogy genetic oh, yeah. genealogy stuff, because I know uh it's happened in my family, my old lady's family, like, oh hey, uh just so you know, you have a brother you didn't know about. Uh Figured I'd tell you now before you found out on your own, but before he comes knocking, <laughs> <laughs> I've wanted to do one of those like 23 and me, or I think there's another competitor, but I am a little, I've heard some, some stuff about why you shouldn't like, uh, I'm a little hesitant on having my DNA with some third party that promises they'll never release that information or give it to anyone else. So. It does look cool, all the charts and pie charts and shit, like where like your ethnicity breakdown and where like you're supposed to have like your ancestors are supposed to have migrated from and shit. Looks pretty cool. Yeah, haven't done that. Can't really say that I care that much. Yeah, if if we if we want to go on a quick little detour, 
um, what you're talking about is like Ancestry.com or 23andMe. They they promise not to share your information with law enforcement or other third parties, right? But the way that law enforcement's been able to get around that is instead of going to them and asking for their information, because there are databases where you can upload your shit voluntarily, and that's where people do these uh, family trees, whatever. Uh, law enforcement can get into these Ancestry and 23andMe uh, portals. So if they have a, a a sample that they're trying to match, they'll just submit it as their sample. And then when they get the profile back, like this happened, this just happened in the uh, the Idaho quadruple stabbing. Mm-hmm. So they, they had uh, a sample of DNA. They couldn't match it to anybody on file. So what it sounds like they did is they submitted it as the person and it generated this family tree. Then they go find a family member, match it, and and then they have their guy, right? But the problem with that is if if the defense is like, well, how did you how did you go from having the sample to finding our guy? You need to show your work like a math problem. Mm-hmm. The the state is like, don't worry about it. All that matters is we got this DNA and we matched it to our guy. So no big deal. But yeah, so a lot a lot of privacy concerns there. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's kept me from pulling the trigger for sure. <laughs> I wonder how many more things like in the future, like technology improvements, like fuck, maybe we'll get to a point where it's like a fucking minority report. You have the precogs after you. Pre-crime. I mean, they- because now I know they, it's different in different states and jurisdictions where if you get convicted of a felony, you have to give a DNA sample. I think some places, if you get arrested for a felony, you have to give a sample. They're probably just going to start taking one at birth for everybody. All right. Call it a public safety concern. Oh, please. Okay. So then we, back to bad influence, then we meet up with. Sorry, uh, huge get, detour. No, yeah. it's all good. It's all gravy. Uh, we we meet Rob Lowe for the first time who comes to this is the shining armor knight in shining armor move where he he sees uh spader getting fucked with by some meathead cuz he's talking to his old lady at the bar and uh Lowe comes in and breaks a beer bottle and fucking scares this guy away and so but then he disappears i wasn't expecting <laughs> that like normally it's like okay this is the entry point like where you know he starts the the con but he's playing the long con he just fucking disappears what's or, funny too is like that he breaks a glass bottle and the guy's like what are you gonna do about it pretty sure he stated his intent by breaking yeah. a bottle on the bar like, i don't know probably Let's stab do it, you with this bottle yeah <laughs> i will say that does golf course that does lend because one thing i was questioning the entire time after finishing it was what the fuck was Rob Lowe's motive this entire time? And so the fact that he didn't stick around, that might lend itself to no motive at all. Just decided to fuck with this guy when the opportunity presented itself or not. I don't know. We can, we can uh, come back to that later. Yeah. And also we, we skipped over the, the most important part in my opinion of the movie, which is Patterson because before he goes to the bar is when the whole schedule oh, yeah. 47 thing happens. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, this is what begins like his taking lunch at, at the bar and just like this Patterson fellow who's just fucking him over because he can. 
he's apparently hidden a report from him, which makes James Spader look real bad because they're both vying for uh senior analyst. Yeah. A highly regarded position. So this Patterson fellow's playing dirty. It's like, that's so ballsy. Like I can't imagine like, regardless of like time, but like, trying to sabotage someone else like at that kind of a scale it's like jesus christ man well shit i mean back then they probably didn't have uh you know as much of a digital paper trail of like this person access this file at this time and stuff like that and i'm sure their hr department was pretty light at that place too um but yeah so patterson screws over spader and he's fucking feeling sorry for himself he's got three ulcers he's got like stabbing stomach pains and he's it looks like he's not too psyched about the proposition of marriage and like all the shit that uh his fiance has planned like she's got everything planned out for like the next 15 years um yeah she's a fucking weirdo i think the next uh point is we we meet uh, <laughs> James Spader's brother, older brother Pismo. What the <laughs> fuck was his name? I've I, seen this guy too in a lot of shit. So this is the second time I've seen this, and I was kind of thinking about it. They talk about him being like a small time weed dealer. I figured yeah. he probably just hung around Pismo Beach, like selling right. weed to people, and that's why his name was Pismo. But they don't explain it. <laughs> Trying to go over to my friend Pismo's house and score lid. He looks like if you combined Ron Howard and Ron Howard's really ugly brother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this guy, I mean, I'm not one, I'm not anything to look at, but this guy is kind of unfortunate looking. Like, I don't know. He looks like he's like 70 but he's probably 25. I don't know. He's well, they got said, one of those faces. They said Spader was 25, and I was like, fuck, he looks 40. <laughs> yeah, I think... No, I think he said he's 30. She's like, you're 30, and you're, you're having all these panic attacks? Pretty sure it's it all 25. Stress. All right. Pretty sure. Um. Uh. So, yeah, this, uh, this brother... You know who... He, uh, Big Lebowski, he was yeah, one of the cops. Yeah, he's the cop the next to the dude the yeah the, the, the black the credence tapes uh, when they're when oh, he goes to hell they got us working in shifts yeah <laughs> you got any leads <laughs> no that's the other guy when he when his car after his car gets impounded oh. or when they find his car or whatever it's like yeah we're just gonna go over to the crime lab there and uh <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it looks like uh he's kind of dead beating it he's a stoner he's asking his brother for money and he's like you don't respect me <laughs> they have like a weird younger brother older brother dynamic there which comes back i mean they 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 set something there and they they pay it off later i feel like which is fine but um i also thought he, he was kind of like a a beat down looking philip seymour hoffman a little bit yeah could yes. have been off that family tree yes uh, um also want to point out jesse plemons meth damon (laughs) probably i mean this doesn't mean anything to you guys but his boss is played by uh john delancey from who is q in star trek the next generation that guy has a very familiar face too he he's definitely someone that jumped out where i've seen him do character work in something else but yeah i was never a big star trek guy 
So Rob Lowe, we get back into him, obviously some kind of grifter hustler. And I guess going back to his motives, like I would, I just took it as like, he's just here for a good time. Like he doesn't really have a plan. He finds like a mark and he just kind of moves around leeching, stealing, manipulating, and just does it again. in like a endless cycle is what he's doing. I guess that's, that's just how I took him, but we see him. He takes money from another woman. Spader sees him at a pier, thanks him for for bailing him out, and they go out for a beer, and that kind of starts their friendship off to the races. Uh, he's talking about Patterson and commiserates did, uh, a little bit. Did either of you guys recognize the bartender in that nightclub? Um, Is- I recognized one bartender in like the main nightclub that they spend yeah. their time at. Me too. I got a fun side tangent about him, but not the, and the his first most bartender. famous role in Street Fighter as Balrog, Balrog. Yes. Grand L. Bush. Oh yeah, he was also in Street Fighter the movie, the video game. He did <laughs> the voicing. Not to be confused the... with Street Fighter the video game. Street Fighter the movie, the video game. Right. <laughs> No, that's how it's pitched. That's like what yeah, the, the entries. It's like, dude, that's so titles, fucking ridiculous. Street Fighter, the movie, the game. Dude, it's like, what the fuck were they thinking, dude? So, at this point, you know, Spader's talking. He's, well, this, is, he's, this is where we learn that Rob Lowe cannot do accents of any kind. Oh, God, yeah. He's <laughs> horrible. Because I thought what he was, was trying to do a French accent, and they're like, oh, he's Spanish. I was like... Damn, that did not sound Spanish at all. Yeah, he he at the the art exposition, he goes he's going by Franco. And yeah, I was like worst accent of all time. I was like what's he going for? German or French? But then he says, "Yeah, bueno" as his salutation. I'm like I was really thrown through a loop there, which I don't even know if Spaniards say that. I think I always think of that more as a Mexican thing, like answering the phone. Bueno, like right. I don't think I've ever. I mean, I haven't spent a ton of time around Spaniards, but I've spent a decent amount of time around them. I don't remember that happening. Huh. Well, it makes sense that he's fucking. He's just Esperanoing his whole way through that character. But yeah, it was pretty horrible. And then so. One of the weird things was all these fucking like weird grungy ass like fucking speakeasies that they're bouncing around to that you can only decode through like like through the the personal ads mm-hmm. and dominant white female. Yeah. And that's so that <laughs> that they get to the first one and that's the password to get in. And then um or no, dominant athletic woman was what it was. Yeah. Is this the one where Grandel Bush is or is bartending? Yeah, it's the it's the main club that we find out later. Rob Lowe like lives there, I guess. Yeah, he's like living upstairs for the time being, and he's like he's gotten in with the bartender. Like so that they go to the bar and he's trying to like, you know, boost his confidence a little bit, and they see a couple chicks that are eyeballing him, and he he's like, Nope, you go over there, you go buy him a drink this and that and it's it's clear instantly spader has zero game uh and then rob Lowe walks over and immediately just wingman of the century immediately takes the first gal out so it leaves this this redhead gal that he goes over and tries to talk to but then he forgets he loses his wallet and then he goes awol he does the old irish goodbye 
And then that's when we get to our showdown with Patterson. Now that Spader's got his newfound confidence boost, because uh, Lowe kind of coaches him up like, oh, don't you got to stand up for yourself. And like, you know, if you keep bending over like that, he's going to, you know, assert his authority, you know, time and again, and, and it'll get worse and this and that. So Spader finally bows up against him and kind of sabotages Patterson uh, when he's in a meeting. And what's he do? He swaps out his report with like batting champions. Batting champions over the last yeah, year, like three years or something. Batting average. And then upon Patterson realizing this, he walks out and he sees him where we get one of my, my the first uh, soundbite that I really liked. I'm in a meeting, you swine. You swine. <laughs> Just like that delivery fucking cracked me up. So what do you, what do we think of this, this first uh, challenge, I guess, for, for Spader using his newfound confidence and turning Chat. the tables. Uh, he rose to the challenge and uh, passed it with flying colors. Yeah, so he he fucking pushes it right back on Patterson. He's like, "You give me my schedule forty seven in the next sixty seconds, Jack, or else." Which I thought was insane because of the the level of technology we're talking about here. <laughs> like nothing takes yeah. sixty seconds. It would have taken him more than that just to walk to the end of the hall, probably, and get in the fucking elevator down. But, um, so yeah, it, that kind of, you know, it's got a little wind in in Spader's sails now. So he goes back to that speakeasy place where uh, Grand is bartending to pay off his tab because he lost his his wallet previously. Seeing this place in the day with the lights on, my first re- I was like, this looks like a fucking like Bond villain like layer. Like it had a real kind of quasi industrial look to it. Is that just me? I don't know. It looked pretty normal, just like a shitty club in the daytime to me. All right. Um, I'm surprised he didn't remember him though. <laughs> And he's like, I'm the yeah. guy that, that you sent the goons after that I ran from because I didn't pay for my drink. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little uh, heavy handed of a response, I thought. Yeah. For all he knew, he could have been going to get some money. But immediately he's like, hey, go fucking lean on this dude. <laughs> uh, oh, that that one fun fact about Grandel Bush, too. He was in uh, a series of pretty similar movies during the mid to late eighties, early nineties. He was in Die Hard. Uh, he was in, I thought this was interesting too, cause I thought he was the same character, but I guess he's not. So he was in lethal weapon, the first one, and he's billed as Boyette. comes back for lethal weapon two, but he's billed as Jerry Collins in both films. He was like a supporting detective, like on a different squad, like within Merton and Riggs division. So I just thought that was kind of fun that someone, the same actor came back for different characters in a sequel. I thought that was pretty fun, but uh, he was also in the exorcist three, George C. Scott. Oh like yes. His, he was his other, his uh, other detective, his junior detective. He's in oh, demolition right. man. Uh, Maniac cop yeah. three, this movie what? wedlock with Rutger Hauer that I've seen. It's about like, I don't, they have put like these electronic necklaces around you and your head explodes. I don't remember what the actual plot was other than that. That sounds wild. It was pretty good. I mean, I guess I don't remember anything that happens in it. I've seen a couple of Rutger Hauer's like more like B movie, like direct to DVD 
kind of fair. Uh, I think it's pretty good. I still yeah. have yet to see what's that one surviving the game. Yeah, I think you guys would both like that movie. Yeah, I think it, it's on my list, so we'll we'll get to it ultimately. Hell yeah. I've also <laughs> confirmed that Spaniards do not answer the phone by saying bueno. Okay. Mexicans answer the phone that, that way because telephones were installed during the time of the Mexican Revolution. Lines were frequently cut as a result of the wars between the various factions. Bueno is indicating that there is a good connection. Huh. Nice. Interesting. Damn. You know, this is why yeah, Chris awesome. is a fan favorite and a host yeah. favorite, I will say. Yeah, you just lended a little molehill credence to us with some actual like research and well, well, I did look it up and, as we were recording, so I wouldn't really call it research. Well, you sound you sounded very articulate. So. It's just on the fly, good journalism I, I, there. I bought that. I completely bought that you had that ready and staged. Um, <clears throat> then they go to this weird fucking art exposition <laughs> out of nowhere. That's where we get the the accents. So yeah, it is kind of a stretch going with German French and then pulling across the the sea to incorporate a little Mexican vernacular in there. And then this is where we start getting like that what would you call this subgenre, the disruptive stranger? Yeah. This is another like he's he's involved himself in Spader's life now and then his brother comes over knocking and also he's like tell him I got the fear which I was taking as like he got he has a panic attack or anxiety attack or something and he's like uh yeah he's busy right now um so why don't you get the fuck out of here like where they start kind of <laughs> like smothering or cloistering the object of their affection at that time and kind of creating a a, a roadblock to the all their other relationships. I also feel like that's kind of a common trope. The phrase, the fear isn't covert enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if you're trying to like, ha like hide something from someone calling it. The fear is not, I don't know. I completely missed the fear thing. Oh, it's just like a, like he said, his brother's like, go get him. He's busy. Tell him I have the fear. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, he's busy. Huh. yeah i didn't know i just took that because he seems a little squirrely like i was just like oh must be his code for like he's got an anxiety attack and he needs to fucking talk to his brother but and then some of this is i mean pretty superfluous but i guess spader it's another example of him gaining confidence and and kind of cutting corners he like does a trade or something that's that's not technically illegal but it's like frowned upon or it's just like it's not uh couth i guess in the business world but dirty pool yeah it's like against company policy but not illegal so he convinces him to take a shot so this is a second time that it's more of like and i love you man like hey i'm your buddy i'm gonna encourage you to do this thing that's better for you mm -hmm. you know and, and it's not clear that it's nefarious just yet but he also gets lisa zane to have sex with him rob yeah. Lowe gets lisa zane to have sex oh, with james fuck, did i skip that part too? thing number three yeah that's the we get the other uh really good sound bite because we find not only did rob Lowe hook him up 
with Lisa Zane, but he also uh, went through the trouble of filming the sex act yeah. for him. Uh, <laughs> to which this, this Spader, is where you kind of knew. Okay, this is clearly like the Jeffrey Epstein origin story of how he got <laughs> so much goddamn money. Like, oh, ingratiate yourself, get blackmail, cash in. Yeah, yeah, and this is like okay, yeah, this guy. It's I don't know if it's a jump the shark. Yeah, it probably is. Like, this guy is fucking bad news. Stay away. Cut this guy out of your life. But a really funny line is uh, Spader wakes up to hearing sounds like porn in the background, and Rob Lowe's on the couch watching him fucking Lisa Zane. To which he says, "You make a very funny face when you come." fuck man uh so spader's obviously kind of freaked out but i feel like he took it pretty well uh because he doesn't say like like, get the fuck out until later on like he he hasn't like had it with him until some other shit goes down i would be at this point i'd be like i don't know you anymore what is wrong with you guy you're an it is super invasive but i feel like under this exact same set of circumstances my reaction would probably be like James Spader. I'm just like, fucking turn that shit off and stop watching it, weirdo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, no, it's just about to get to the good part. So that that was fun. Then we get to, this is the really insane fucking part. But then like, so the next night, it's like Spader's old lady, uh, Marsha Cross, uh, his fiance, they're having like this big gala or they're celebrating her father who was like, I don't know what, it's an anniversary, doctor. anniversary party. Anniversary, okay. Uh, who I recognize that fella from LA Confidential. He played the head honcho. Did you pick him out? The dad, Dr. Fielding? I did not. He's only in it for a little bit in LA Confidential, but the connection to that is this director, uh, Curtis Hansen, is who directed LA Confidential. So I did see that. I thought oh, that was damn cool. right he did. They're probably they were probably pals. I didn't realize I even when we covered LA Confidential, I don't know if we covered this, but uh this director as well, Curtis Hansen, he did Eight Mile. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm I'm not a huge fan of or whatever, but it just it seems like a weird some of his uh also did the River Wild, which is a, a big hit in this household. Same here. Yep. It's a banger. River Wild. I saw good. they fucking redid it. What a sacrilege. They remade it. Was, it was I we watched the remake and it was dumb dude even eight mile was pretty good i thought it was better than what i expected michael shannon i've only seen bits and pieces like of the like main battle at the end spaghetti all that shit (laughs) um dude i guess eminem because i live pretty close in the northwest or in the midwest now uh i guess he has like a place a restaurant called mom's spaghetti that's real popular out there so yeah i've heard it sucks does it? I wouldn't yeah, say you're that big. close. Well, it's close enough. I think it's only like a three and a half, four hour jaunt. Are they just in? Are they just in the Detroit area? Or I think he only has one, or maybe he has two or three. But they're they are all like right in Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, which I think I'm. I plan on trying it because we are gonna in the springtime. We're going on like a trip to that region, and we're gonna stop into all the filming couple of the filming locations where they filmed uh, It Follows on an It Follows tour. And we're oh, going to hit Mom's Spaghetti as well. Why? I know both of you guys are not Why? on my side. Because I love that movie. And there's there's locations that you can go and check out. Like the old theater at the beginning. It's a historic landmark. The place where they have fucking frozen yogurt. 
Jay's house. Here's the shack on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the community college where the, the old woman in the fucking hospital gown crawls slowly towards her. So is the is the new uh River Wild the same kind of story, like with the deaf mom and son? No, it's basically just the way they do these remakes where it's like the basic concept of like people at odds with each other having to get down a river. That's about it. Like there's no like criminals showing up and sort of like taking over. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I can't remember exactly what happens. I think that's the entire driving force of the fucking movie. (laughs) Like, Yeah. Well, (laughs) Kevin Bacon is replaced by Adam Brody. Which is fine, because I like Adam Brody probably more than I like Kevin Bacon, to be honest. Whoa, that's bold, Jack. Man, that movie Sleepers traumatized me as a child. Yeah, that, that uh, one was oh, tough. One, I saw that when I was like Patrick. nine, and I thought that okay. was going to happen to me. So <laughs> Yeah, he is a rough fucking hombre in that movie. That's That's fair. Okay. There's a couple people like that that, like, I have nothing against them, personally, like in real life, but... They had like such a a screen presence that I'm just like, nah, fuck this person. This director also did uh, Wonder Boys, which I'm a pretty big fan of. Michael Douglas, Tobey Maguire's in it, um, Robert Downey Jr. That's a fun movie. I like it a lot. So yeah, this guy's got a weird kind of film list, but I think he also did The Hand That Rocks the Cradle too, which I saw that when I was really young and it kind of traumatized me a little bit. Kind of scary. Uh, well, I saw the guy who who wrote the the movie also did Jurassic Park, Mission Impossible, Snake Eyes, and Ghost oh, Town, which shit. are all fucking bangers. Have you seen Phantom Punch? Have you seen Ghost Town with Ricky Gervais? Ghost? No. Is that where it's a fun can, one? Is is that where he can see ghosts, or he is a ghost? Uh, I I can't remember one of the two. It's okay. funny though. I don't know. For my money, I'd rather watch uh, Heart and Souls. Is that that Robert Downey Jr. movie? With RDJ. <laughs> saw that in theaters. About Down to Earth featuring Chris Rock. <sighs> Haven't heard of it. Oh, man. You boys are really missing out. This must be how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, back to the action. Oh yeah. Down, so we just get so this you know, fucking... down to earth is a modern remake of Heaven Can Wait, just with more sass. Oh okay. Uh, hard pass. Uh, so we're back. <laughs> <laughs> we're back at this gala uh, thing, this anniversary party, and then wouldn't you know it? Uh, it's like a black tie event. Real, real fucking nice shit. And wouldn't you know it? We have uh Rob Lowe making an appearance he's all he's already buttered up the the mother and it's like fucking i, I can't remember the accent in this one this french. is french because now he's french that's right and uh i guess before this too spader opens up that he's like what's what do you what's your fear and like all this shit you know and he's like i'm really afraid of getting married and so he's like you know he kind of leads him on he's like what it say it is what what do you want you know like uh, all this and so he takes that as like license to wreck his uh engagement with his fiance and he plays the porn tape 
with Lisa Zane in front of a hundred socialites and very proper uh, party. And this is going on. And of course they're fumbling with the fucking, it's like, turn the TV off. They're fucking with the, it's rewinding <laughs> back and forth. They uh, put it uh, in like, slow motion on accident. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, come on. So this, this kind of starts the spiral for Spader here. I think at this point in the movie, if I'm James Spader, still on board. Yeah. <laughs> You're wild. You're well, wild, he didn't buddy. want to get married to that woman anyway. That's yes. true, but that that's a pretty fucked up situation. But well, I guess, like, you know, you're living in L.A. during this time. It's like, fuck. Just... Dude, it's like, in, uh, it's like in I Love You, Man, where he, uh, he gives a speech. He's like, return the favor, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> in the moment, you're like, fuck, man, why would you say that? But in hindsight, you're like, yeah, I mean, that's really how I feel. So... That was uncomfortable in the moment, but you're right. And then they start knocking off mom and pop shops. Oh, God. That would probably yeah. be where I would have to be out. Yeah. Uh, Me too, but in all fairness, James Spader is very drunk by that point. Yeah. But in the sober light of day, if you see fucking Rob Lowe <laughs> telling a guy to put his mouth on a gun, I agree. Oh, That's yeah. when I would be like, no, I'm good. Yeah, that's where it really jumps the shark is when like they're having their fun and then then they he pulls a gun out. Then they're actually committing actual crimes and then, f yeah, forcing that poor fry cook to fucking chew on a fucking barrel and his teeth are chittering on it. And the Rob Lowe does this really creepy fucking laugh and like crazy Carl <laughs> and he, they fucking get out and they knock over a couple other places. He's like doing blow all of a sudden. He's like, you want a little decongestant? <laughs> yeah. My like, favorite part this. about them robbing that burger joint is that it happens off to like the side of the frame. So you could miss it, but he does make sure to grab the hamburger before he leaves. Oh, oh I, missed does? I missed that part. Good for him. Yeah. This is where we get the fun. If you want to look it up, it's Lloyd Cole. The song is Downtown. And I don't know. If, at, the, at first, I was like, this is fucking some cornball montage. It but is. it kind of grew on me. And it, I'm still back and forth whether I hate it or I really like it. But the last 30 minutes of working, I just put it on a loop and listened to it. And I still can't remember the chorus. I'd have to play it right now. But he just talks about going downtown a lot. <laughs> um, but. The fucking harmonica in that. Go back and listen to it, dude. That fucking harp is pretty awesome. And I had a little bit, I had a fun uh, side tangent. Um, have you guys ever heard the harmonica called a harp? Yeah, I have. Yeah. I, guess I, I can also blue. tell by Chris's eyes that he is working on something right now. <laughs> no, I would just have the movie playing alongside and that, that scene is coming up or it's on and I'm looking at this liquor store <laughs> and on the front window, they're like, they have an advertisement for St. Ides, which I don't even think they make anymore, but was like, no, a huge oh, man. late eighties, yeah. early nineties thing. Yeah. I was up there with like mad dog and Boone's yes, farm. I know they made that as recent as uh, 20 years ago, I guess. God, that seems like not that long ago, but Oh, It'd yeah. always be right in the section where you find like um, the fuck that like H two high gravity malt liquor in a can. 
Um, yeah, Old English, Colt 45, Steel Steely. Reserve. Steely. Piss in a bottle. Yeah. Jesus. Ugh, those are the rough days, Mickey's. But yeah, anyway, uh, the harmonica, fun little piece of trivia. Uh, harp is blues slang for harmonica, which is also called a comb. How fun. <laughs> wow, that and is fun. I've, this, All right, this I is, think I've just picked the next movie <laughs> from what the next time I'm on with you saying that. I, I I have a guess, but also last piece is down south, a harmonica is sometimes called a mouth harp or a French harp. Dude, mouth harp is pretty fucking awesome. I, I really like that. Uh, I'm going to try to incorporate it more. But I feel like that's also the name of a completely separate instrument. A harp? A no, mouth harp. Instrument? Like mouth harp, harp, definitely, but I think mouth harp is a also third instrument that's completely different from either a harp or a harmonica. It's like those things you like put in your mouth and flick it and it goes doing, 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 doing. You know what I'm talking about? Kinda. Is that a theremin? No, theremin is controlled completely by your hands, but not actually oh, touching okay. the instrument. It's like vibration waves and shit. Were you going to say, were you going to suggest Crossroads yeah. for the next film? Dude, I love that fucking movie. And it reminded me, the harmonica, I mean, I'm, my favorite line from that movie is like, where I come from, you don't blow no harp, you don't get no pussy. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I thought of. Dude, Crossroads is a fucking banger, dude. Ralph Macchio playing guitar at the Crossroads. Hell yeah. Dude. <laughs> that's a fucking awesome movie jamie gertz god i had such a crush on her when i was young i saw less than zero at a way too young of an age and she shows her tits in that and that was like an awakening so yeah jamie gertz is an all-timer um so anyway yeah after the last robbery we just cut spader blacks out he goes to grab a shave and he notices a little blood on his uh his sleeve and his knuckles are all fucked up and scuffed up and bloody. And it he goes pissed into me off that he was shaving. Yeah, I yeah. was like, <laughs> I don't know don't why it made me so mad, shave, bro. I can't even remember the last time I shaved. I I always just on the bot. I have a beard, and on the bottom, I just do every couple days. I'll just do electric, and I'll keep stubble. I don't give a fuck. I don't understand how people like in the fifties and sixties they just get up and they fucking shave every morning. It's like. Pfft. You know what? He got time for that. Um, yeah, he did not need to fucking shave. But um, so it turns out also he goes to work and it, it appears that uh, this Patterson fellow has been assaulted and roughed up. And that's when he's like puts two and two together. Fuck. What did we do last night? You know? And well, I think they alluded to it, too. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah we're near Patterson's house or whatever. Then it then it cuts to like him blacking out. But. So Patterson's had a change of heart. He doesn't, he no longer wants to go for the, the senior analyst job. So it looks like Rob Lowe's done him another solid on his, his career trajectory. A funny line from the gal that we haven't touched on yet. The um, Spader's assistant, I think her name, Kathleen Wilhoyt. She's another mm -hmm. face too, that she's been in a ton of stuff. Um very familiar kind of face character actress that's been in a ton of stuff. She says, uh, where the fuck this crime stuff makes me want to move back to Seattle. I was like, man, that is H poorly. <laughs> that's the last fucking place you want to go. Now Spader finally is at enough of low and tells him to get, 
and so Lowe's like, all right, I'm going to take everything you own inside of your dope ass apartment, by the way, that he's staying in. It's like fucking cathedral ceiling apartment in LA. So he comes home and it's like his whole house is just fucking gone. Yeah. I think uh, my favorite Rob Lowe's part comes in that scene where James Spader comes back from the office and he's like, Asking him what happened. (laughs) And he's like, did I hit Patterson? It's like, you didn't just hit him. He beat beat the the shit shit out of him. him. (laughs) And he's like, so pleased about it. It's like, well, what were you doing? I was holding him down. (laughs) You learned martial arts. Just dipping a donut in milk. Like, I held him down. (laughs) Yeah, he's full psychopath. Uh, Low is in this. So Spader's finally had enough of him. He's like, where's my fucking shit? And he's like, I stashed it out by the oil fields. When he goes to get back all of his, his personal effects. Well, first off, he sold all of his like appliances and furniture. He's like, I left you like your passport and wallet in this box out in this oil field. So he goes there and he finds uh, a tape recording him of murdering Lisa Zane pretty brutally with a fucking golf club. That part was pretty raw. Like I didn't, I didn't see it going jumping to to that level. But it, everything kind of escalates in this film uh, as we go on. And this is where we've, if we hadn't before, this is where we've definitely jumped the shark. That yeah. this guy's hundred percent bad news. The part was pretty graphic too when he he opens the locked bedroom where the corpse is and sees it. That was pretty brutal. And then this is kind of like the redemption part of bringing back the older brother kind of steps in from the rest of the for the rest of the movie he's like i need your help man it's kind of a role reversal like spader's like little brother now fully like i'm i don't know what to do so i feel like pismo man's up what did you guys think of his arc yeah i was expecting him to be uh turned actually by rob Lowe Ah. because of his like money issues I thought he was going to betray his brother. and That's a good call. They could have easily gone that way. Yeah, he was okay. I guess I just thought. I mean, he's a pretty pathetic character. I feel like he, for, for what he was able to do at his station in life was pretty fucking solid. So I thought, I thought the turn was going to happen when uh, Spader went to go after him with the gun and his brother kept insisting, like, let me get the gun. And he took it from him. Like, why would you ever do that if you're going to confront somebody who's trying to kill you? Like, let me get that gun up from out from you. Yeah, that didn't make a lot of sense to me either. It's like, no. Oh, yeah. Once he, he watches the movie, he realizes Rob is still in the apartment. And he has this fucking really evil chuckle, this weird laugh. And I guess part of the trivia, too, is I guess for... Rob Lowe getting into character. He just watched a shit ton of film of Ted Bundy to like try to get into this character, which I was like, that'd probably do it. I did like that. He was still in the house because when he was showing him uh, like the, the video, I was like, well, this is obviously evidence that the other guy did it. So when he turns up in the house, fucks him up and then takes it like, all right, well, yeah, that does away with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, just another part of his kind of like head games getting in his face. Oh yeah, this is this is <laughs> one of my other favorite lines, and this is by way of Pismo uh, when he comes to to help Spader 
talking about his relationship, this dark path that he's gone down with with uh, Rob Lowe. It's just a matter of time. Get in bed with the devil sooner or later. You have to fuck. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that from from Pismo. <laughs> so yeah, he asks him to, for help, and this is the chance for Pismo to step up. And so they're wrapping up the body. They're getting rid of the the murder weapon, which is a golf club. And they're it's still even in this day and age. It's like how do you do that without being fucking seen? Like dragging a body like down however many flights down even using the elevator but then you got to go into the parking garage and then when you know it there's someone there's a couple having a a fucking (laughs) fight uh a really funny fight if you actually listen to what they're saying yeah (laughs) it's the woman's like you fucked her and he's like no i didn't i just took it out and she's like that's the same that's the same as cheating (laughs) he just like pulled his dick out at someone, I guess. The old well, Louis C.K. Well, and then he's like, yeah, I fucked her once. And she's like, well, how can I trust you? And he's like, I told you I did. You wouldn't yeah. have known otherwise. <laughs> like, I wow. mean, that's a good point. Strong logic there. <laughs> <laughs> the scene that really got me, and I took a fucking screenshot of this, and I... F- Dude, where did I put it? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to share my screen for you guys. I want to see if you guys picked up on this. So, so Spader's got the body and he's in this parking garage waiting for this fucking, these, can I guess fighting couple to go away? Huh? Can I guess? Yeah. I had my cat on my lap and when the dog fucking jumps up and barks. Yes. It spooked us both. But it was his Spader's face. face. His reaction, this <laughs> motherfucker. I was like, "Whoa, dude!" It's funny because it's a golden retriever, and it's like the yeah, least like that scary, friendliest dog. looking fucking dog. You know what this reminded me of, Steve? Can you guess his reaction, his abrupt reaction to this really friendly dog? <laughs> yeah, I think so. There was one time Steve and I used to work together, and we had you're such was, a fucking did, dumbass. It was the end of it was the end of the day, and we had like all kicked ass like that day. It was like a really good day at work, and like I was trying to be like <laughs> Mister Hype Man, like fucking like I was like, yeah, everyone's like in line to get up to the time clock and punch out, you know. And I'm giving people high fives and shit, and tired from a long day. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me, it was a very long day. It was a trying day. Everyone was tired. I'm giving people high fives, and Steve. Must have just been in his own universe, like thinking about the <laughs> dinner or something. But he was somewhere else. And so I got to him in line and I was like, hell yeah, Steve. And I like throw my hand up for a fucking like bro <laughs> high five. And he gave this spader expression. He was like, it was like a stroke happening. He was like, whoa, whoa, fucking. That's one of my favorite memories. I know. Just so you know. <laughs> it was that silent, was, but it was like. Hard blanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was inaudible screaming, just like Spader. Just like, <laughs> yeah, that's an all-timer. That's what that reminded me of instantly when I saw him make that face. I was like, I've seen that before. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you son so, of a bitch. Yeah, dog barks at Spader, makes the dumbest fucking face, reminded me of Steve when I gave him a high five. Um, <laughs> so 
Then we go, uh, fortunately enough, uh, they're pretty close proximity to the La Brea Tar Pits, uh, which I only knew before this by way of Last Action Hero, um, which in that film, it looks like actual fucking like thick ass viscous like oil in this it looked pretty watery. So I'm yeah. assuming this film has a, has the better depiction, the more accurate depiction of what that shit looks like. But actually the other movie I was thinking of suggesting also that revolves around like the La Brea tar pits. So it's good times. Last action hero. No miracle mile. Is that who is in that? Anthony Edwards and Mayor Winningham. Oh, okay. Isn't isn't yeah. the Tar Pits in My Girl or My Girl Two? Wasn't there a My Girl Two? It's in it's in two. Yeah, that's where she goes to L.A. and stays with her uncle for a little bit, and she pals around with the uh, the Macaulay Culkin uh, analog. Stand-in. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say that I've seen My Girl 2. It's good. I don't, I don't know girls. if I have, but I must have, right? Yeah, because <laughs> the first one doesn't take... She doesn't go to L.A. It's it's all in there. She like drops her moon ring or, or something. Anyway, yeah. So they have the, uh, the, the bright idea to dump the body in the tar pits, uh, but wouldn't you know it? Rob Lowe has been following them the, the entire time. And it's like, wouldn't you know that though? Like at this point, like I feel like I would have gone way farther with the body or been like way more, uh, mindful of this fucker watching or being someplace. But at any rate, um, Spader goes back to his office and he notices the, uh, golf club, pristine blood wiped off of it sitting in the corner of his office. So he's like, Oh fuck. He knows he's been following us. And then it looks like Rob Lowe also works right across the street from the Libre tar pits. Cause he looks out his window and there's like fucking eight cop cars, ambulance shit's going down. So he's like, Oh fuck. He reported the body. Problem I have here is wouldn't you have to dredge that motherfucker? It's like he told him exactly where the body was. Maybe it didn't sink far enough, but I, I feel know. like they pinpointed that thing really fast. Well, <laughs> as my significant other would say, why don't you email the writers of the movie and tell them that? <laughs> God. <laughs> Go to bed. Yeah. Um, so that's a minor quabble I had. Um, so then we go back and I know what to do when you're being targeted for murder let's take huge bong rips so that's what pismo does also rocking like the fucking will Byers bowl cut <laughs> a bowl cut spader's finally like all right i know what to do i'll just kill him we'll just close the loop here so uh that's basically the third act is him trying to figure out how to like take this guy out because at this point he realizes he's not gonna stop fucking with him and that's just kind of what he has to deal with now they attempt to get his fingerprints. Yeah, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> this is so half-cocked. And also, you're going to send your brother, who's like, doesn't seem like he's up for this kind of uh Well, yeah, if this guy is so sophisticated that he's following you, he knows who your brother is, so he's going to recognize him just as easily, you would think. Yeah, and he's he's got to be some seeing him come from like a mile away, but I he mean, actually he didn't. 
That was the yeah, crazy part at all. And this guy sticks out like the sorest thumb at this place. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, one of these things does not look like the other, but he he actually ends up getting a good piece of intel on him. So he goes down and he, he's got a spot and he notices Rob Lowe leaves his beer bottle. So, okay, there's our evidence. He grabs that. And fortunately enough, the, the gal that uh, Lowe was sitting there with left her purse clutch with her driver's license uh, facing out. So, yeah. And it was clear quite conveniently. Yeah. <laughs> and there was money. There was like a hundred dollar bill. That you could clearly see too, like like no one's just gonna fucking lift that immediately. Yeah, I thought I thought that might be a little trap. It could have been. Well, yeah, it was because uh, Lo follows him back to his house, Pismo's apartment. So yeah, actually, I didn't. I just watched this, so thinking about it that way, yeah, it must have been. But it's like, how would he know that he's gonna come after him and all this? But whatever. He goes back, and this is where I thought, like, yeah, fucking. I mean, Pismo, he's able to fight this guy off, which, I mean, he shouldn't be able to, but not really. He doesn't fight him off. At the end of it, he's hanging off of like a telephone pole about to die. <laughs> well, think about where we begin. This He fucking like bashes through his apartment and fucking he pushes him to the ground like he knocks him out of the way. I think he drops his gun. I think didn't Roblo have a gun or a knife or something? He had like he's a able to get away from fence. Him. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he saw him in the reflection of the window, and he was able to deflect the initial attack, and he fled, mm-hmm. went the opposite way, avoided him. By I not feel like through. not dying is the bare minimum when it comes to fighting back, and that's, that's really all he managed to do. I still call out a win, man. I, I didn't think he had that in him like at all. Not I thought dying. he would go down like... <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought he was going to die immediately like oh okay he's gonna take his brother out now and then that's gonna be the end game like low versus spader you know stand final standoff you killed my brother um but yeah he's getting dangled out of the fire escape spader helps him and while this is happening what do you guys think of this part the the fucking diy taillight bomb i thought it was pretty clever but i feel like they spent way too much time knowing like making sure that we knew what would happen (laughs) yeah yeah i liked it like how he ignites it like at the end or he's like push on the brakes now i was i also thought it was weird too that pismo was able to pick up on this and like like identify that and say don't touch the brakes you know like that's gonna fucking send the signal to the gas tank and it's gonna blow like but Oh, he I I feel like in real life, James Spader would be dead because when you yell stop and someone's in a car, your first reaction is to slam on the brakes, whether or not you're moving. That's a good point. Yeah. So they foil that attempt. As we're talking through this, I'm realizing how anti Pismo I am. (laughs) Yeah. What do you got against this guy, man? He's just trying to help out his brother, gain some respect back. Uh, He does. What? Uh, I did read that they cut this part out in the international cut of the film because they didn't want people getting that idea to like take someone out with the taillight bomb. So Only the like, international cut? Yeah. In the US, they left it in, but everywhere else. We have it was a pretty high murder thing. rate comparatively. I feel like yeah. we're more likely to utilize that information. Yeah. Huh. So that makes me think this would actually work. 
Hmm, interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so Spader, he gets the information from Pismo. He gets that address uh, that was left on the table. So he goes to make a run on Lowe. He shows up, and Lowe and his old lady are doing the dirty. And there's actually the other chick that he had his eye on, this blonde gal. So they're all in the bed doing the horizontal mambo, and uh, Spader gets a jump at knife point uh, while Lowe's out scoping the fridge. And then that's when we get the, we come full circle. Time is a flat circle of Spader hitting low with the you make a very funny face when you come i was like oh that's pretty cool yeah and then he bitched out yeah he should have just fucking rammed that knife in his jugular right then and there yeah but um, he, he didn't really because it was a, a bait what do you mean to get him to chase him to get the confession on tape and all that but oh yeah, yeah at the time i was like this guy's such a fucking bitch just just gut him do not come <laughs> oh yeah i put this note so what, what's he do he like he knocks the knife out of his hand or, or something so low is able to get away so Sp- spader books it because he's like oh fuck i don't have him at knife point anymore this guy can easily fucking kill me so he starts running he trips over this bag the way he flails over this fucking <laughs> railing <laughs> i had to rewind it like <laughs> 10 times <laughs> he looks i don't even know how to describe it it just <laughs> It, lo- it looked like a rag doll, but it clearly wasn't. It looked like a human being, but just like the way his like legs fucking flail <laughs> over the railing fucking really got me. Um, that shit was hilarious. Uh, so then they run down to the, we get the final showdown, like some dock area. Uh, and then they kind of talk back and forth and blows talking about how no one's innocent and all this dime store psychology and and then spader just shoots him and after the realization that pismo is up on this like little shanty thing with the fucking video camera is like you get all that of him saying well, this is he gets him to admit and, that he was the one responsible for everything right yeah and it's like oh did you, did you get that and it's like the brother's like yeah and then fucks up and slips yeah <laughs> Fuck him. Uh, so yeah, roll credits. What'd you guys think of this? Bad influence. Bad influence. Nineteen ninety. We usually do up to that at the beginning. I totally missed that. Uh, Steve, what'd you think of this one? Um, I liked it a lot. I liked it more than I thought I was going to. I kind of had a an emotional roller coaster back and forth because I knew it was a Chris recommendation, so I thought it would be good, and then. The first few minutes, I was like, this looks shitty. I don't think I'm going <laughs> to like it. Well, historically... Does anybody want an espresso? It's not like my all of my picks have been slam dunks. I think it's just the last two with Navy Seals and Orca. Before that, we had a rough go of it with King of New York and Unforgiven. Yeah. Pearls before swine, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of Steve's favorite sayings. Yeah, but I I ended up actually really liking it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, I I think I feel the same way. I was like, "Eh, this feels pretty rough. But yeah, I I would say in that you're a disruptive stranger sub sub genre. I I feel like it's up there. I I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought to. So appreciate the wreck and uh, 
yeah, I think this my my wife likes this kind of shit too. So yeah, uh, I definitely when I saw this for the first time, just kind of watched it on a whim because I watched these sort of I don't know they're not like. It certainly was a Hollywood movie, but you read the description and you're like, that's a lifetime movie. Yeah. I watch a lot of (laughs) shit like that. Right. So my expectations were like, this is going to be a two, two and a half out of five, but I'm going to enjoy it. And then I just really liked it the first time I saw it. (laughs) It was like my favorite movie that I had seen in quite some time. I guess I was on a dry spell. So then after that, was when I did watch Pacific Heights for the first time and Consenting Adults for the first time. Oh, wow. So you watched that after this. Yeah, I still think I like this one more because it's more fun. Yeah, Pacific Heights definitely has a more like menacing, serious tone to it. And it's frustrating. Yeah, so I guess now that we're at the end, do we kind of talked about it earlier do you guys think Rob Lowe had a motive or like, what do you think was going on? Steve, go ahead. Shoot. So it, it, at first I didn't think he had any motive other than just like a Mark who came into his life that he could fuck with. But the more I thought about it, the only motive I could find was using his car. There were, there were so many scenes. <laughs> there were so many scenes where he talked about like, when they met up early on, he's like, okay, yeah, I'll leave the keys under the seat, um, but we can't hang out anymore. And then he used his car later on for the, all the robberies. So other, <laughs> so other than just for uh, love of the game, his car, that's all I can think of. Yeah, that's as good a reason as any. I mean, it goes to his kind of like, he's like this nomadic, he's just, finding opportunities as they arise and is exploiting them. I guess I kind of stick by that. What I said earlier, like it's just crimes of opportunity kind of stuff. Yeah. I pretty much agree with that because at the end you find out that he meets James Spader while he's in the midst of like pulling a a separate con on that woman that he's staying with in Manhattan beach. So it is just like a crime of opportunity, but I don't think he like, I think if James Spader would have been, like, super into it, they would, like, Rob Lowe would totally be fine with them just doing all this shit together. And, like, mm-hmm. James Spader just sort of halfway bankrolling their escapades. <laughs> I think if James Spader hadn't pushed back, they would have just been, like, best buds. Right. It would have turned into, like, a, a buddy, like, cop, like... Like, like an I love you, man. Yeah. A bro flick. Yeah, he was, he's lonely. Um, Brian Regan. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Since we just did it, have you ever seen uh, Devil in a Blue Dress? No. Denzel? Every time I hear the Don't phrase, you? I just think of that movie Repossessed. With Have you ever seen that? <laughs> It's like a Leslie ne- Leslie Nielsen like what, spoof movie about the Exorcist, and there's like a big musical number where they sing "Devil in a Blue Dress." Oh my god, it's awesome! I thought you were gonna say Ghost Dad for some reason. <laughs> no, Which, Bill Cosby aside, Ghost Dad's a fun movie. Um, 
Did you guys have anything, final thoughts about this flick? Or did you come with any kind of trivia or background on this one, Chris, before we move on? No. Um, I mean, how do you guys feel about James Spader? I think we talked about our thoughts on Rob Lowe, but any spade heads out there? I like um, James Spader. I don't know him from anything other than the blacklist. Mm, I and figured you would have seen Stargate. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, I, I really think that seems, I mean, Kurt Russell, James Spader, Stargate. Stargate's pretty badass. I might've seen that. Cause it's, that, it's that's in the sci-fi like, realm though. Yeah. But it's, but it's in my wheelhouse of like 96 to 98. I would have to imagine. It was, I think Stargate's 94, but it's, it feels like those kinds of movies. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't think I have. I like Spader a lot. I've I've seen him in some older stuff. Like I said, I've seen Less Than Zero at a really young age, and he plays like a, a really creepy, like I guess villain in that film, and his name's Rip. Uh <laughs> he's a real fucking scumball. Um and I've seen Jack's Back, which I really like a lot, and he's in that. That's like eighty eight. Um, there's a couple of, you ever seen ones. crash where he fucks a car? I, I have not seen that just because <laughs> oh the God. description, it's like, it's a little too out there for me. I, I, I like David Cronenberg, but yeah, everything I've, I've like, like every time I've seen like the description and the synopsis of it, I'm just like, that's, that's not really my brand. I don't think but. it's, it's pretty fucking good. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know if you would like it, but it's it's pretty good. If anyone can pull off a movie about that, it would be Cronenberg, and I think he did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that gal that did the fuck, what's that movie? Tatane. Tatane. Isn't that pretty similar? No, because that I movie guess, sucks. Well, not the, not similar in they're like a one to one, but there's also car fucking that happens. There, yeah. There's some automobile fetishism in that. <laughs> <laughs> I recently Dude, you're saw gonna break, if if Logan hears this you're gonna break her heart because she loves Tatane oh that movie fucking sucks I don't care <laughs> <laughs> fuck it that's what I love about you Chris fucking no prisoners well hey I mean Logan's cool but that movie sucks <laughs> I like a lot of things that suck too I know just for fun do not come I recently like a week or two ago, watched this movie called Cocaine, One Man's Seduction. That is about like a real estate agent that starts doing coke to like keep up with the young bucks in the industry. <laughs> like he's not selling enough houses. And in that movie, James Spader is the the guy's son. And he's like the all-American, like I'm on the wrestling team. I'm varsity. Dad, you disappoint me when you do cocaine. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> what year is this from? 1983. And it also has oh, Jeffrey wow. Tambor in it as oh, like another yeah. dude that gets strung out on coke. Damn. It's a good one. Dad from Heavyweights. He fucking knocks out Tony Perkis. <laughs> Didn't he have a run-in? He had he had some stuff happen, I think, too. Basically, Recently. from what I remember, he's was just like a huge piece of shit to all of his female co-stars yeah. in Arrested Development. This is my recollection of it. Do not come. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it comes in the morning. Yeah, I think Spader's pretty rad. I even liked him in uh, the fucking, uh, what is it, The Watcher from 2000, with where Keanu plays a fucking serial killer, a fucking serial strangler. Spader plays like a fucking strung out, like Chicago detective that's like, it's like that's his fucking white whale is trying to get the serial killer played by Keanu. It's pretty shit, but it's it's like a, it's an enjoyable shitty movie. Yeah. Good times. What are your, what's your favorite Spader flick? Go. I mean, I probably just have to say this now, but prior to this Stargate. That's right. He is. I do like Stargate. He's pretty, he's pretty great in Stargate. Good call. I think I like him most in Jack's back. I just like that movie a lot, but, um, uh, let's see. Oh yeah. Back to the, so the basic, the comment that we got for basic instinct was by user mudalib gr 7 mw uh, he said, he or she said, Kanapa film Nia Tadak Semua, which is Indonesian detected, English, why not all of the films? So I don't know if there's anything lost in translation. It's a good question. A... You guys are fucking lazy. <laughs> why haven't you reviewed all of the films? <laughs> why do you not have every film ever? Um, I was thinking he may have seen the cover. And it's, you know, kind of disregarding the episode 52 at the beginning and seeing Basic Instinct 1992 that he was getting the whole movie. And so why not all the films? Like, why not the whole movie? Why not all the film? That's my assumption. So if you're a listener uh, at mudalib-gr7mw, if you could clarify, what do you mean by (laughs) why not all the films? I think it prob my my theory is that it was a seventy year old woman with small hands <laughs> who was just type some something into the keyboard that happened to translate into something coherent in Indonesian. Dude, so something must be going on with that basic instinct episode because it's an anomaly. The view the watch count is way up. For no reason, doesn't make any sense. There must be. It's got to be the. It's got to be the scantily clad Sharon Stone. There is a computer somewhere broken that is just replaying it over and over. (laughs) Yeah, which is why the count keeps going up. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Oh boy. On my head. Are you a fan of Ruth's Chris? Chris? I've never been there. He's never been there. He's <laughs> never been to Branson. <laughs> I still haven't either. I need to I need to get myself to one. Why? I just found out that there is one in Fort Wayne, downtown Fort Wayne. It's been here the whole time. So I gotta make a <laughs> cool. <laughs> I, I gotta make a sojourn out to Ruth's Chris's steakhouse. Um cool all right well thanks for joining us chris thanks for opening or broadening our horizons to bad influence i liked it too so we're we're calling that a yes on the uh the old win streak hell yeah i wonder if we're gonna break no we might get to the 80 
88 mark, 88.3. Let's see. 88.1% approval rate. Bang. What do we got going next week? Next week, we'll be recording our our Valentine's Day special that we'll release uh, on, on Valentine's Day. We're, we're going to be covering So I Married an Axe Murderer from 1993, starring Mike Myers. And we're going to have the whole trio of Ghoulish University, Logan, Naderade, and Thon uh, will be on to discuss that one. So that should be a lot of fun. It's only on AMC Plus right now. Otherwise, it's a rental. So, yeah, if you've never seen it, super strong recommend. Check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't remember. Steve, have you seen So I Met an Axe Murder or not? No. Fuck yes. That's, you're in for a treat, brother. Chris, fan? No? Indifferent? I think I've seen it because they used to play it on Comedy Central a lot, yeah. like in the early 2000s. I don't really, I don't remember anything about it. Yeah, it definitely had like the Top Gun TNT syndrome, like where it played for like a 15 year span, like four times a month or more. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I think it's probably my favorite Mike Myers vehicle outside of Wayne's World. And the Love Guru, of course. Oh, Christ. I honestly, I'm not the world's biggest Austin Powers fan. So, I mean, for me, the, the mountaintop is is Wayne's world and ax murderer. So, you know, I know you're Swedish made Steve. So yeah, you better watch your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, He looks like a baby. Cool. So yeah, that's what we'll be talking about next week. Uh, So check that one out. Stay tuned. Uh, If you want to reach out to us, you can do so at wax at waxing the porpoise.com hate mail complaints comments concerns also either of our socials instagram is at waxing the porpoise twitter x is at waxing the porp do not come you guys got any final thoughts for this film or oh fuck i god damn it i do this every time when we have a fucking guest i forgot to do it at the lead up but do you want to tell listeners about mount molehill and where they can check it out chris yeah it's a podcast where I talk about Poncho's Mexican Buffet and Charlie Sheen and snuff films. Uh, you can check it out at Mount Molehill Podcast on Instagram and uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hell yeah. Do yourself a favor. Raise the fucking flag and check out Mount Molehill because it's a goddamn national treasure. Steven? Uh, I did pick out a Amazon review from a guy named Michael Bowl which is also the name of the main character in uh, this particular film. And he says, wait, so is his brother's name Pismo Bowl? Yeah. I cannot comment on that. What a name. But this gentleman gave it one out of five stars. And he says, well, my name is Michael Ball. And I have, (laughs) and I have never seen this movie, but Rob Lowe is cool. And if I ever make a movie about my life, it will star Rob Lowe. So <laughs> very helpful. Oh, man. Sean, you're my same height. That is neat. My name's actually Michael Bull. Yeah, well, good on you. You're a big fan of Rob Lowe. Sweet. That's not the first person I'd, I'd grab to want to make a movie with, but teach their own.
baseball. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Leave us a like. Review on Apple is great. Does help a lot. If you'd like. Thanks, thanks, Chris, for coming on. Yeah, you're very welcome. Always, always a pleasure. Likewise. Uh, and yeah, don't forget to check out Mount Molehill uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we will see you when we see you, and we will see you later. Where I come from, you don't blow no harp, you don't get no pussy.